0: spring break, and you're at church. You deserve a medal, right? Because it is—it is like we got a bunch of different people out traveling, vacationing, and stuff like that. Uh, so, so you know, you are definitely a committed church person if you're at church on spring break, because not a lot of people go on spring break. So, we are honored that you are with us today. Also, too, the video was actually wrong. Uh, um, Life track is today, but but it is at ten thirty. So. So currently now, LifeTrack runs concurrently with our second service. LifeTrack is a three-step process to get you acclimated to who LifeHouse is, what we do, why we do, what we do, and gives you the opportunity to ask questions about our church. And step one is all about our church, the, the vision, the values, the structure, and everything like that. So, you know, if you've been coming to to lifehouse a couple weeks a couple months and you really want to find out more about lifetrack. You can stay right after service in theater 20. Lifetrack step step 1 is going on donuts, coffee, childcare, all of that is provided, but we want to let you know who we are. You don't have to to sign up, just show up theater 20 right right after service at 10:30. Today we are starting a brand new sermon series called Divine direction. Has anyone here ever wanted to know God's will? (laughs) Right? God's will. I mean, it seems like the church, Christians, people are striving to know what is God's will. I mean, most of the questions that I get that many people say, hey, can we set up a time to talk? Can we go and get coffee? Can we, and, you know, most of the questions that, that I get, meetings that I get, are centered around this concept of what in the world is God's will for my life? And, you know, many times that, that question evolves, involves, um, you know, questions like, where am I supposed to work? Um. How many kids am I supposed to have? Should I marry this guy or this girl that I am currently dating? Like, what is God's will for my life? Has anyone ever asked that? Yes, yes. You know, because I I think I've been in the church game a long time. Okay, grew up in church, um, been in ministry and full-time ministry for 11 years, Uh, gave my life to Jesus fully, totally when I was 16 years old. So you, you, you hear a lot of stuff in church about God's will, right? So you've got some, some preachers, pastors, they kind of, of treat God's will, or, or they kind of treat God like God's will is some, what do they call those things, matadors, where it's kind of like God is the matador, God's, God's will is that kind of like blanket thing that they've got, and, and they're kind of like, hey, God's like, you know, do you want to know my will? You want to know my will? Come on. Come on. Get over here. <laughs> I, t- I moved it. You, you thought you knew what my, my will was, but nope, that was wrong. You know, and we can just got kind of to think God is just is kind of like, try like keeping his, his kind of like hidden will from us. And we've got to do all of these things. And if we do all, all of these things right, then then God will reveal what is hidden. It's almost like God is trying to keep his will from us. And if you do all the right stuff, if you act good enough, if you're just a good enough person, then God will be good and he'll show you what his will is. But then I've seen some people on the complete other end where everything is God's will. And these can be church people. Yeah, God told me this. God told me that. God told me this. God, I'm, I wish God spoke to me the way God speaks to you. You're walking around here confident, but yeah, I know God's someone is. God's, but the funny thing is, right, and, and this is where I have seen this played out, and it's absolutely funny, in dating relationships, right? You've got this couple dating, and you've got this one person that really doesn't like the other person. But they're not bold enough to tell them. So what do they do? They bring out the God card. You know, I've been praying about this. <laughs> when someone says they have been praying about this, me signals go up. I'm like, I see what you do on Facebook. I don't think you pray a whole lot. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's like, I see what kind of life you living and you're throwing up on Facebook. I don't know if you really pray a whole lot, brother, but okay, whatever you say. I've been praying about this. And I just feel, you know, Stacy, you know, I, I, just don't, I just feel like we're just not a good fit. And really what he's saying is, I don't like you but I'm going to blame it on God. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to blame that this is God's will. This is what I feel is God's will is. And and because I don't like you, I'm going to pull out the God card. We do it all the time, man. We, you know, it's I'm praying about this. I'm praying about that. But it's like, you know, we can kind of see God's will. God is this kind of like matador or it's like everything is God's will. And it's like, how do we actually truly sincerely know what in the heck is God's will? What is divine direction? How do we know where to go, what to do, and all that stuff? And I think most of the questions that I get are always about what they're supposed to do. Marrying, should I keep this job, should I go and leave this job and go into this city and start this brand new job, should I leave my job and start a brand new business, should I date this person, should I talk to this person again, and just like all these questions about the what, but I don't really get a lot of questions asking me, John, who was God calling me to be? So I, I think we have to first, whenever we're talking about God's will, we we have to make sure we're asking the right questions. And we have to make sure that what God finds important is actually important to us instead of of instead of us saying, this is what I think is really, important God, switch what you think is important, and think what I think is important, rather than us switching and saying, God, what's important to you? Let me fall in line with that, right? So I think we've got to make sure we absolutely know what is important to God, and really, when I look in scripture, when I kind of search this book out, when I kind of just see the whole scope of what Jesus came, preached, taught, lived, I don't, you know, I think Jesus was a whole lot more about who you are becoming Than what you're doing. Jesus is so much more focused on the kind of person you are becoming in this life instead of the vocation that you have, instead of the person that you're dating, instead of how many kids you should have. I think we should really know if we're going to boil the message of Jesus down Jesus came, and he was clear. I came to change who you are, not just what you do. What you do flows out of who you are. So we, we've got to start with the question. Instead of always focusing on the what, we've got to focus on the who. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus here, this is an extremely famous passage here where Jesus goes into the Beatitudes, where Jesus basically came on the scene, preacher, teacher, claiming he was God, and Jesus came to set up a new way of doing things on this planet. He called it the kingdom, basically saying this. I, I know the culture has a certain way of doing things. I know Rome culture, they have a certain way of showing love, what the kind of cultural pecking order looks like. You know, if you're going to survive in Rome, you've got a certain way of doing things but Jesus said look I'm coming in I'm starting a brand new kingdom a brand new way of doing things and Jesus started out his teaching with this whole teaching called the bee excuse me just burped on the microphone Jesus help me that that would be bagel and coffee from earlier okay um bee attitudes yeah so Jesus came and he basically said "Look, if you're going to survive in this kingdom I'm going to give you some character traits that I'm going to help mold in you and shape in you to help you become the kind of person that is a Christ follower. He says this here. Blessed are the CEOs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, hold on. Hold on. Can you go back, please? I, I, I think we've, we're supposed to. There we go. I don't know if that's right. Let me see here. Is that what you got, Lauren? L- that's, that's what you have? All right, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 3 through 8. And I could have totally told him the wrong thing, and it's probably my fault. Yep, it's my fault. Here we go. So it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. No, that is not right yeah that is verse 6 so we are going to be on verse number 3 all right verse verse number 3 says this he said jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't see anywhere in this teaching where Jesus said, blessed are the CEOs. Blessed are those that have three kids. Blessed are those that don't date losers. Blessed are those, Jesus doesn't start with the do, Jesus starts with the who. And that is so countercultural. Because in our culture, what is it built on? Who you are is determined by what you do. You have a good image, well, it's because you've done something. If you want a good image, if, if, if you want to have status, if you want to have power, if you want to have self esteem, if, if you want to have the good old it factor, then go and do something. And that is what makes you a who. That, that, is, that, is, that is what gives you. Status, that is what gives you power, that is what gives you sustenance, that is what gives you self image. But that is completely countercultural to what Jesus says is most important. And I think Jesus knows a little bit about what he's talking about because we live in the most, like, blessed nation there ever has been. Insane, um, what, what, what's the word? Delicacies? It's not delicacies, like, we have so much like comfort. I mean cars, food that like will be delivered to our house. Right? Like we can go and get waters, bottles of water that we can just twist off and drink. Like we are the most blessed nation, but why are we also the most medicated? I mean, you look at where we are like we have the we had we have created new diseases because we're I mean, here's the thing, man. Underdeveloped countries, they, they deal with different sicknesses, typhoid, malaria, all of these things that can be fixed, fixed by, by simple medication. We are over, what's, what's the word? I'm, I like my brain. I need coffee or something. Like, over, medic- it's, it's like we've created new diseases. Heart, you know, it's like heart, cancer, all of these things that are, that are pretty much there because of what we smoke, what we eat, what we drink, and things like that. Like, we are so blessed, but why are we so medicated? Why are we so miserable? Doesn't it just feel like this world is just like, like, like basically a big house of cards? Like, doesn't it when you turn on the news— our culture just kind of feels like we're just, like, waiting for this house of cards that we've built our lives on and we built this country on, waiting to fall. Why? Because we're not going to have the financial stability that we had. The Dow is down 700 points. It's like, who knows what North Korea is going to do? Who knows about all of this stuff? And I feel like we have this whole mindset of, man, we won't be able to do all of these things no more. When it's like, look, the whole point of following Christ isn't about what you can do. Jesus says, hey, I did not come so you can be, I came so you can change who you are. And if you like you, it really doesn't matter what you do. You know, Jesus came to change who you are, not just what you do. And really what I see here is two different ways that we can actually view God. See, some people serve God just to get something from him. Let's just be honest. Many people start to serve Jesus because they want Jesus to be their genie. They, they, Oh, if if I follow Jesus, he'll give me what I want. He'll give me a good job. He'll give me a good car. He'll give me finances. He'll, He'll do all of these things. And so all that they do is then, God, I'm giving you a tithe. God, I'm giving you time. God, I'm giving you talent. God, I'm giving you all of this stuff. But you better give me, you better be a stock market, Jesus. I give you this stuff. I'm expecting something back. I better get more than what I put in. And here's the bottom line churches preach that. Given it shall be given. Press down, shaken together. You know, it's kind of like just just give and God will give. And here's the thing I'm not saying that God doesn't want to actually bless you, because I believe that. But at the same time, that's not the point. The point of doing isn't to get more, the point of doing at the root and heart of the gospel is that what you do is completely a result, a byproduct of who you are. And Jesus came to ultimately not change what you do. He came to change who you are. And the way he did that is by giving you a new heart, giving you the opportunity. Here's the byline. We've all sinned. Scripture tells us this, and sin leads to death. And sin is simply this: you do what you want to do. You've turned your back on God in mind, thought, deed, action, and you said, God, I'm gonna do things my way. And because of that, scripture says this: we we all literally had a spiritual death that all of us, because of sin, have, have kind of got a broken relationship with God, a spiritual death. But when Jesus came and lived the life that we could not live a perfect sinless life and died the death that we should have died. He died in our place and for our sin and basically earned for us what we could not earn for ourselves. And that is a new relationship with God. So Jesus then becomes the sinless sacrifice for our sin that mends our broken relationship with God. And therefore, all we have to do is put our faith And trust in what Jesus has done. And that is what gives us a new relationship, a new heart, new desires, brand new motives to then not do good works to earn anything from God. But we do good works out of because of what Jesus has already done for us. It changes the way we see everything that we do. We don't live for God's approval now. We live from it. Does that make sense? People try to earn their way to God, and that was never what Jesus intended. Jesus wanted you to live from the approval that God gives because of what Jesus did. And you put your faith and trust in him, and that's what makes you a who. And whenever you start working on the who, that is what changes what you do. Jesus is so much more concerned about who you're becoming rather than what you do. We can even see this, Paul, he continues in 1 Thessalonians 4. I find this intriguing. Paul even busts out here, this is God's will. You ready for this? All of y'all questioning, what's God's will? Ready? This is what Paul says. He says, it is God's will, all right? So let's pause. Stop reading, because I know you're reading. Pause. This is God's will. So you know whenever Paul busts out that this is God's will part? Okay, ears perk up. What you got to say, Paul? It better be what I like. No, I'm just just kidding, right? This is God's will that you should be sanctified. Oh, hold on. What does that mean? Sanctified means holy. Sanctified means you are in the process of becoming more like God. That means in the way you act, think everything. So it is God's will. So if if you're wondering, what is God's will for your life? What is the most important thing to God? It is not the kind of job you have. It is not the amount of money that is in your bank account. It is God's will for you to be sanctified. That's a churchy word right there, sanctified. Sanctified simply can be broken down as this, holy. Holy means set apart. It means different. It means the way you live your life. There should be a difference between the way you live and the way those that don't know Christ live. There should be a difference. It's God's will that you should be holy, and then He goes on here that you should avoid sexual Im- that you should avoid sexual Im- immorality. Oh, hold on now. What does that mean? Yeah, you know what that means. <laughs> that each of you should learn. I love this to control your own body in a way that is pleasing or in a way that is holy and honorable, not a passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So it's like this might sound harsh here, but here's the thing. What God is saying here is is it is his will for you to be the most like God that you can possibly be. And that is the whole point of following Jesus. The whole point of following Jesus is you are a Christian. Like that means to be a little Christ. That means this. We have to be taking inventory. Is the way that we are living putting us closer and closer to Jesus? And that's what's ultimately important to God. It isn't. Many times what we think is so important, job, wife, dating, girl, I mean, all of this stuff that we think is important to us, but we have to say is what, is what is a priority to God? Is it a priority to us? Are we asking the right questions? It is God's will that you should be sanctified. It is God's will. I love what also Paul says here, and here's the thing, Paul, if anyone had the right to put their hope in what they did or what they did, it, it, was, it was Paul. Like, he's a lot better than all of us. Dude wrote 13 books of the Bible, the New Testament, right? And, and But you're going to see here, Paul, in Philippians 3, Paul had this incredible transformation where Paul, um, he was like the best of the best. You talk about a Jewish rabbi teacher, he was like the kid in class you hated because he always got A's. He, he was like the kid that the, that just, you know, was the teacher's pet, always getting extra credit, getting 110s, had like a 4.9 GPA. He was that one, like if anyone was most likely to succeed and be a great Jewish rabbi, that was going to be Paul. He was like that guy that probably got beat up in class by all the other Jewish kids that didn't like him, right? That that was Paul. and And Paul had made all these incredible accomplishments, which to us don't seem like much, but to people back in that day, what he accomplished was actually... Incredible, and look what he says here is this: He says, or can you go back, please? There there should be more. It says, "If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, so if, if, if so, Paul's saying, if anyone else has confidence to rely on what, on how good the things that I've done have I've done, it it is me." He says, "I have more circumcised on the eighth day, the people of of." Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless, right? So he stops there and basically says, look, I had the status. I was a good citizen. I had good blood, Israel blood and Roman blood. I had the good bloodline. I had the good teaching. Talk about passion. I was so passionate about the Jewish faith, I killed Christians, You talk about someone that has bloodline, passion, skill, and talent. It's me. But let me tell you what I think all of that mess is in light of now the person that I've met in Jesus Christ. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. There you go. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Knowing. Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them Garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming life in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, look, I'm going to tell you everything that I have accomplished, earned, everything that I have did, everything that, honestly, our culture puts so much weight on, the accomplishments, do, 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 do. Paul says, in light of now knowing Jesus, let me tell you what all that all that stuff is. Here he uses the word garbage. And, you know, we have translations of the Bible that are translated from, from the actual Greek language, and the actual word that Paul used there was a Greek word, skubalos. And skubalos could be translated garbage, but it was also translated excrement. It's also translated um, dung, poop. It was translated as, like, that, right, and so really and, and and really scholars argue over this fact of if this was almost considered kind of like a like a greek cuss word like we would say it happens <laughs> adding a few more letters at the front of that it but it it, it could almost be paul not that he was trying to like but, but he wanted to say, hey, look, let me tell you, everything that I've done accomplished in comparison to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for me, let me tell you what all that other stuff is. It is like a big, steeping pile of poop. Why? Because he, he treasured Christ above all. He realized what he had been saved from. He realized his sin and realized the goodness and grace of God. And here's the thing, y'all, I think we have wrong priorities about what's important because we don't see the true depths of our sin. We don't see, we don't want to prioritize what is important to Jesus because we don't understand the weight and the depth of our sin and the goodness and greatness of God that saved us. And Paul, he saw that, he realized that, and his priorities Changed. And he says, yes, all this stuff, it's like a big, steepened pile of poop. And let me tell you what I treasure more than anything now. It is my relationship with Christ. He said, I want to know Christ. Why? Because when you know Christ, who you are changes, not just what you do. And I believe we have a, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I think we've just got people that know of Christ but aren't passionately pursuing a relationship with him. Like we have a concept of Jesus but like any good relationship, it takes work. Like any good relationship, it takes time. Like any good, good relationship, it takes intentionality. And my prayer is that Lifehouse would not just be a people that just have a concept of who Jesus is, but they have a living, breathing, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ that is fueled community within the church and that we are saying, hey, as a church we're gonna follow Christ together not just to get something from God but we follow him so we can ultimately change who we are to be more loving, to be more caring, to be more generous, to be more hope filled to be more faith filled, to be more like Jesus because if we don't do that, honestly guys, this whole, this whole Christianity thing is stupid yes, I said that it's like, what is the point? If we're just trying to earn our way to get to God, that's like any other religion. But no, we don't do it for that. We do it to say, God, make me more like you. My prayer is that we treasure Christ in the same way that Paul did. And that we would realize what's important to God needs to be important to us. And what is always important to us isn't always important to God. But Samuel, you say, you know, you say, John, seriously though, man. What about these decisions? that we all have you know and and these are all sincere questions. You know like god what do you what do you want want me to do? Should I date this person? Should I take this job? You know and and here's the thing these are all valid questions. I'm not saying that god doesn't care. But I think we've got to care about what god cares about first. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31. We're going to turn there. But I believe this, if you take care of the who, God will take care of the what. If you take care of the who, if you take care of the right focus for what God has called you to be and who God has called you to be, God will reveal to you the what. 1 Corinthians 10, 10, 31 says this. Andy, Mike, I don't care who, whoever it is, y'all can come up and just start playing sil- or uh, quietly behind me. It says, so whether you eat or drink, or, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, Paul uses the word here, whatever. In the Greek language, that word is, means whatever. <laughs> what well, Paul is basically saying here, hey, look, whatever you do, whatever you do, Do it for God's glory. And I just, what I see in the scriptures, what I see in the God, like what I see as a thread in scripture. Yeah, you know, you might feel a like real call to something. And I believe God definitely gives that. I feel a call to preach that I can't mistake. I can't run from. I can't fake it. Like I've got to do this or I'm going to be miserable. Straight up. And some of you have that. Some of you have, like, you know what God's called you to do. And you know if you don't do it, you're going to be miserable doing anything else. And that's awesome. I say, hey, if you got that call on your life, go for it, run for it. Don't stop until you get it. But at the same time, don't don't wait to glorify God until you get the do. Because God is so much more concerned about who you are. And he said, whatever you do, whatever. Whatever you do, do it for God's glory. Whether you're taking care of a sick parent, whether you're a stay at home mom and you got four kids, whether you are a working mom, whether you're a dad that's got a couple jobs just to pay ends meet, like, whatever. I believe if we get more concerned about the kind of person that Jesus is trying to make us into rather than always, well, should I do this? And should I do that? Should I do do this? Hey, focus on getting your heart right and your soul right and your relationship with God right. And as a byproduct of that relationship, you'll hear God more clearly about the things you're not sure of. But whatever you do, do it for God's glory. I know some people are really concerned. Like, I've seen people so concerned about missing God's will. Like, they're like, oh my God, if, if I take this job and what if it's not the right decision? What if I could have had this job? And, and, and it's like, people are freaking out. Like, God is up in heaven. Like, yeah, really, I, I really need to tell him. Like, just because you're freaked out doesn't mean God is. But I just think we've we've got to make sure, like, maybe God is telling you, I don't care whatever you do make a decision get counsel get wisdom speak to speak to pastors speak to some godly counsel speak to some godly wisdom speak to speak to whoever you need to speak to do your background research do your due diligence make sure you're making a wise decision but at the same time make a decision and when you make that decision be all in. Many times, God isn't going to fly a plane in the sky and write out for you the answer. We would love to have that. Like, I just wish if I was to move to Charlotte, God would then put a plane in the sky that says Charlotte. Okay, got it. But I wish we were just as passionate of saying, God, who do you want me to be? Do you want me to be more loving? Do you want me to be more caring? Do you want me to be more faith-filled? Do you want me to be more generous? I pray the same passion that we have to know that the so-called hidden will of God would match the passion we should have for the completely revealed will of God, which is to be holy, which is to be like him. And I believe if we had that same passion, we focus on the who, God will take care of the what. And here's what I know, Man. You know how like we like to have backup plans, right? We like to have plan, plan B's. We like to make sure if we do make a decision that there's something to catch us. Let me tell you what that is. It's Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. Let's put that up there. And we know that in all, I won't say all. All things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the first one from among many brothers and sisters let me, let me break that down to you what that means in modern day right, right now language that means this everything can work for your good if you let it even your bad decisions some of you might say I made a wrong decision here I made a wrong decision there I should have done this differently your backup plan is that God already had a plan Your backup plan is that God already knew that you would make a dumb choice. But he is so good that God will take whatever dumb decisions you made that you regret, that you wish you didn't do, wish you wouldn't have married that daggone loser, wish you wouldn't have had those kids, wish you would have taken a better job, wish you would have gone to college earlier. All of these things that you so-called regret, if you stop regretting and give it to God, he will take it and use it for your good and for his glory so that's that should be encouragement to us to be like okay i got a couple choices here neither of them are sin right Like i got a couple good options here if if it's a whom you know should i punch this guy in the face or not yeah you probably don't right probably don't want to do that right but it's like if it's clear that that like there's two good choices here and you're "Well, what's God's will and everything and everything I just whatever but in that whatever wherever you go whatever you do know the most important question is who are you becoming in that process? What kind of person is God shaping you and you to me? What He says here, why to conform you to the image of His Son? Meaning this: all things work together for your good, for the purpose of making you more like Jesus, not for just making you have a better job or have a better wife or have a better life. What's important to you? My prayer is that today we would know when we start to talk about a divine direction, it's more about a who than a do. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. We're going to be talking about specific qualities that God wants to put us in the divine direction towards. Because God's more concerned about changing who you are than changing what you do. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to treasure him. He wants you to mold, he wants to have shaped in you mold, you know, molded in you qualities. So Lifehouse fam, let's get on the divine direction of praying, God, make me more like you. I know I've got questions about where I should work and if I should date this guy and if I should go here and go there. But let me get what's important first. Let me get more like you. Let me get holy. Let me get focused on you. Let's pray, church. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. God, uh, we know we live in a culture that is completely backwards. It is all about who we are, image. Stuff like that. But God, you say this. It's not about that. It's about who we are because of you. So Jesus, give us the right focus. Help us to ask the right questions. Help us to have the right priorities, knowing that you've got our backs. All things can and will work to the good if we give them to you. Really, really quick, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if, if you'd say, John, I have never made a decision to focus on the who more than the do you've never said, God, I want to give my life to you. Like, I want to start this journey, this this process, and I want to say yes to Jesus today. By grace, through faith, and accept what he did on the cross for your sins and gave gave you a new heart and a new life. Like, you want to accept, you want to make a decision, a choice today to start that journey because, you know what, maybe you've been in church a long time maybe you went to church growing up but just, you know you're just kind of here today maybe you've never been in church whatever your background is the whole point of christianity is to start and, and make a decision and say i'm going to follow jesus i don't have a, you know many times what that actually means or where that that actually goes but that's why you got the uh, great church here to help you along in, in that process but it begins with a decision i want to just give you the opportunity today. if you want to say john i want to start a relationship with jesus today by grace and through faith, that was the, that gives the opportunity to be started based on what Jesus did for you on the cross and for your sin. You say, John, I want to start a relationship with Jesus today. I'm going to simply do this: count to three. Whenever I I hit three, you can just take a hand, put it up. I just want to know who you are so I can actually pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just what we've got people here. They want to celebrate with you, and they want to encourage you on this new decision that you are making today to follow Christ. You say, John, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Every about, every eye closed. I'm just going to count two, three. When I get done, raise your hand up. Ready? One, two, three. Anyone here? Anyone here? Anyone here? Anyone here? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? This is what we're going to do, Lifehouse. Can we all stand up? We're all going to pray. So what we're going to do, we're all going to pray and join in with those that raise their hands to receive Christ for the first time today. Lifehouse, can we do this? Please give it up for all those that raise their hands today. If you're making a decision to follow Jesus today, we want to say welcome to the family. We want to say this is the best decision of your life, not the easiest, but we want to encourage you to hey, look, you, you've, you've you have got a family here that loves you and cares for you. So, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray as, as I pray, repeat after me. And look, we're all gonna join in and pray with those that are the, that raised their hands to receive Christ today. Everybody repeat after me. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place and for my sin. And mending the relationship that was broken because of my choice. I give you my sin and I receive your life. I receive new life today in Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you. I love you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Life Out one more time. Please give it up for those who said that prayer today for the first time. Listen, if you didn't say that prayer today for the first time, listen, we want to connect with you. And- We're not going to do any crazy prayers. We're not going to do all that. We just want to give you a few tools to help you now on this brand new journey of you starting in Christ. Right as you walk out out today, Next Steps booth is right out there. If you would stop by there briefly, we want to give you a Bible, and we want to give you a few other tools to help you grow in your faith. We want to know who you are. Please stop by there. Just want to quickly reach reach out to you. Lifehouse family, we are going to go back quickly into, into a... Time of worship, whatever business you got to do with God, submit your priorities to Him and get His priority. Whatever you got to do, do it today. It's worship. grace towards us, how great you are, Lord, and how great you are, helps us to be great as you change who we are, not just what we do, to become more like you. So God, we give you our lives today, we give you our hearts today, we submit our priorities to you, help us to take on what is important to you, not the do, but the who, give us the divine direction of chasing after Jesus to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said it. Amen and amen. Come on, LifeHouse, let's give Jesus a round of applause today. He's good. Amen. All right, if you could be seated really, really quick. We want to transition quickly. I preached a, l- a little long, so we have a service starting here in 10 minutes for a second service. So we want to quickly invite you uh, to give. Um, so what we do e- every single month is, is we have a monthly outreach focus. This this month for us, April, is Care Net Pregnancy Resource Center, and we are going, going to be doing a couple things. First off, Care Net Pregnancy Resource Center, let me tell you a little bit of, about them. First off, they are a life-based pregnancy resource center that helps women find themselves in unplanned pregnancies. It gives them options counseling, gives them, uh, what are those things where you see the baby? All ultrasounds, I, it's, it's been three years, y'all. Okay, sorry, I'm trying to, this whole baby language stuff. Ultrasounds, it gives them counseling to know, hey, look, this is what God says, it's, Chris, it's, it's Christian based. It is completely funded by donors and churches, no government help, and it is just an incredible agency. My wife worked for them uh, about five years back, and it is just an incredible thing. So we're doing a couple things. First off, baby bottle drive. We're gonna be giving these out as you walk out. You can take this baby bottle here and put change in it, fill it up, bring it back in. We're gonna be collecting them April, tw- April 20, 29th, and part of what you give this month will go towards Care Net Pregnancy Resource Center in, in in completing what God has given them to do in the 757, uh, all right? So we want to, and to and invite you to give and give generously today because of the generosity that God has so graciously given us. I'm going to pray take and take up the offering. All right, Jesus, we love you. Thank you for, for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this incredible ministry, Care Net Pregnancy Resource Center, God, the, that helps so many women in crazy situations and crazy times to find themselves in unplanned pregnancies. We pray blessing upon them. God, Lord, we just pray that, um, God, they would grow and strengthen their reach in, in this city. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have this month to partner with them to bless them. So God, we love you. Thank you for every dollar given. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, thank you for your generosity, Lifehouse. out of here. We love your lifehouse family part two next next week divine directions. Pray really, really quick. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Thank you for what you did in this service. And God, we love you and praise you. God help us to focus on you and all that we say and all that we do in Jesus' name. And everyone said, we love you, Lifehouse family. Let's- Are welcome here. Yes, we mean you. But you might be thinking, Am I welcome here? Do you know who I am or what I've done? What my sexual orientation is? The hidden sins I have or the last time I attended church? Yes, you are welcome here. As a matter of fact, we extend a special welcome to those who are
1: single, married, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, or political
0: agnostic. We welcome you if you can sing like Andre Buccelli or like our pastor who can't carry a note in a bucket. We extend a special welcome to those who are over 60 but not grown up yet, and to teenagers who are growing up too fat.
1: We welcome soccer moms, NASCAR dads, starving artists, um, tree huggers, latte zippers, junk food eaters, vegetarians.
0: We welcome those who are in recovery or still addicted.
1: You're welcome here if you're just browsing or just got out of jail.
0: We don't care if you're more Catholic than the Pope or you haven't been to church since Little Joy's baptism.
1: We welcome you if you're having problems or you're down in the dumps or you don't like organized religion. We've been there too.
0: Even if you blew all your offering money last night at the bar, you're still welcome here.
1: We offer a special welcome to those who work too hard, unemployed, or because grandma's in town and just wanted to go to church.
0: We welcome those who are inked, pierced, or both. We offer a special welcome to those who can use prayer right now or have religion shoved down their throat as a kid.
1: Or you got lost in traffic and you wound up here by complete accident.
0: We welcome tourists, seekers, doubters, bleeding hearts. In short, LifeHouse Newport News welcomes you.
2: LifeHouse, let's get up on our feet this morning. We're going to give the Lord some praise.
1: quick before we go into the last worship song just to welcome our first-time guests if you are a first-time guest we want to give you a free gift and in order to give you that free gift we need to know who you are so before we know who you are in order to know who you are we have a you card we need you to fill it out and you can drop it in the offering bucket later on in the worship experience, or you can just cut to the chase and take it to the Next Steps booth, and they'll give it to you directly right there. LifeHouse family, can we give our first-time guests a warm round of applause? You guys are the bomb.com. We're so glad you're here. Now, if you call LifeHouse home, welcome home. Pastor John is starting a brand-new message series called Divine Direction. So if you've ever wondered about what God's will is for your life or thought about crazy questions of what you need to do next in your life, like this message series is going to help you. Um, It was incredible, the first service. I can't imagine what it's going to be like this service. So before we go back into our last worship song, some of you may be new to the the church experience, and if you are, we're glad that you've given Lifehouse an opportunity to expose you to that. Um, You may be wondering why we sing and why we have a worship band up here. And really the reason why is because we're wanting to give our, our God our complete and utter attention. For the first 20 minutes of our week, we use worship music to, use, to focus on who he is and what he's done for us. Because how many of you know there are so many things that struggle and fight for your attention? Your phone fights for your attention, your kids, school, your job. So just, I encourage you, take this time Forget about those things and focus in on Jesus. And that looks different for all all of us. Some of us, if you want to sit down and close your eyes and just take it in, you go for it. If you want to lift your hands, go for it. If you want to sing with all your might, go for it. If you want to bust a couple moves, you go for it. Whatever works for you works for us. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for being here with us, for your reckless love that has chased us down and found us here. God, thank you for pursuing us, and I think you you're going to continue to pursue us. You are great, and you are worthy of our praise today. And I thank you that we're not going to walk out of here the same, because we will experience life change through your son, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: You give life. You are love. You bring life. To the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great. more times lift his name up sing all the uh... sing out this morning oh. Great. itself, God. Great are you, Lord. God, we thank you for your greatness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love that you've poured out upon us. The love that we didn't deserve. God, the love that restores broken hearts. God, the love and the grace that saves us from the depths of hell. God, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Because time and time after again, God, we turn from you. We reject you. We deny you. But your love always chases us down. Your breath always brings life back into our bones after we've about killed ourselves. We thank you so much, God. All across this room for just about about 10 seconds, 20 seconds, would you give the Lord some praise in your own words? Would you give him glory and honor? We worship you, God. You sit on the throne higher than anything else. God, you have control over what's happening. You set the earth in motion, and you will be the one that determines when it ends. God, we thank you so much for this time and your presence this morning. We ask for your blessing and your anointing to continue to pour out upon us. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much. Lifehouse, can we give our God one more hand clap of praise this morning. We give him the glory. We give him the honor. Amen, amen. Right now, we're going to go ahead and transition. We're going to have what we call our minute mingle. I want you to get out of your seats. I want you to say hi to somebody, find somebody you ain't met before, give them a handshake, a hug, whatever. Meet somebody here so that you can do life with them later. Thank you.
3: Like to take a few minutes to tell you about some of the things coming up for you and your family, so check this out. First, we want to extend a special warm welcome to all of our first-time guests. In fact, we have a couple fun gifts that we want to give to you. Now, you should have received a U-Card when you arrived. All you have to do is fill it out and drop it off at the Next Steps booth located in the lobby or drop it in the offering bucket later in the service. You give us your U-Card and we'll give you a free gift. It's that simple. Here at LifeHouse, our mission is to bring life change through Christ to all people, and we believe that happens when people know Jesus, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Life Track is our three-step journey designed to help you do just that and help you know who and what LifeHouse is all about. So step one is the first Sunday of the month. Step two is the second Sunday of the month. And you guessed it, step three is the third Sunday of the month. Keep in mind, you can take any of these steps in any order and pre-registration is not required. However, feel free to let us know you're coming by filling out the U card, checking the life trap box, and dropping it in the offering bucket later on in the worship experience.
0: Okay, so heads I propose to or tells I don't.
2: Order the buckler and shield and prepare for battle.
3: week on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can always find updated information on our website, TheaterChurchNN.com. Thank you again for joining us today. Now, back to the worship experience.
0: Well, good morning, Lifehouse family. How's everyone doing today? So good to see everyone here. I'm going to show my mic's on. Yep, it's on. Okay, very, very good. We are so excited today to be starting a brand new sermon series called Divine Direction about Knowing God's will, my name is John Ware, lead pastor here, and it's an honor pastoring here, man. So this is our 29th Sunday uh, of being to church, and uh, we're just excited about what God's doing, man, and we are excited that you are here. If this is your first time here, LifeHouse fam, can we just give it up one more time for all of our first-time guests? Encourage you, man. Come in, check us out a couple times. I will probably be calling you some, sometime this week just to say thank you for coming out. And uh, so, so, man, sit back, relax, and, and enjoy, and we are just honored that you are that you are our guest today. Um, so, man, you guys are the spiritual bunch coming to church on spring break. Uh, you know, you are the spiritual bunch, man. Not a lot of people come to church on spring break, man. We got a bunch of people out traveling, vacationing, doing all that fun stuff. So we want to say welcome. So we're, we're diving in today, uh, a brand new series called Divine Direction. Has anyone ever been curious about God's will? I mean, yeah, that girl's hand shot up. She's like, yes, <laughs> I want to know it. This sermon series is my life. No, it's like, <laughs> help me, right? It's like, we, we all like have, have, have this desire, uh, I think, to really want to know uh, what is God's will. You know, like, like, God, should I marry this person? Should I stop dating this loser, should I, um, should I take this job? Should I move to this city? Should I go to college? Should I not go to college? We've got all of these different questions. Now, I've been in church a long time, and whenever you start talking about God's will, uh, it gets a little interesting, all right? Because I think you kind of have some preachers, they kind of, of preach that God is this sort of like matador, and his will was kind of that red cloth. And he's kind of like, come on, come on, people, serve me a little better, do a little better, and then you'll know my will. Ha <laughs> ha, gotcha. You thought you were gonna get God's will. Well, you didn't do enough. I'm sorry. And, like, and, and, God, and it's, and it's kind of like we're on this chase, like, and, and God is like hiding his will, and, and if you just say the right stuff and do the right stuff and, and all of these things, then you'll know what God's will is, and you'll know what you should do and where you should go. But then I've also seen on the other side where people use like God's will for everything, and you especially see this in dating, right? Where you see corny pickup lines. What's up, girl? My name's Will. God's will. You know what I'm saying? It's like... <laughs> some of y'all were a little were a little late there. Come on, this is the 10:30 service. Come on, you're supposed to be up and amped and ready, right? But but it's like, you know, and and then I've seen some people like. Um, you know, they use God's will for everything. They're like, you know, like, so they could be dating and there's someone that, that they really just don't like. They're, it's just not vibing. It's just not jiving, right? And so they'll go to them and they'll, and, and they'll be like, you know, girl, I've just been thinking and, and I've been praying about it. And you're, like you, know, you're just like, you know, you ain't ever prayed a day in your life. No, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, I see what you post on Facebook. I don't think you're praying. No. But, uh, you know, I'm praying about it, and I just, you know, I just feel like God's just really, you know, God God's will for us is just kind of separate us. You know, and what people do is they kind of take the God card out. That's what I call it. They throw it down and be like, this is this is God's, God's will, when really in reality it's what they want. They're just blaming God for what they want, you know, and, and they'll just kind of throw it. Though, so, you know, I just, I just think it's God's will. We just kind of need to separate. <laughs> it's like, no, you just don't like her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, so, so we can, God's will can be so complicated, and we can think it's hidden, and we can think God is this like, you know, defined matador that's just keeping His will from us, and we just need to get it. But I, I think, honest, honest, honestly, it's it's actually a whole lot simpler than that. Um. And really, I think it begins with us examining, first off, um, and really saying this. What is important to God, ultimately, uh, is what is important to him important to me. So let me show you what I kind of see in Scripture here. When I kind of scout this whole book out, when I kind of see what Jesus Christ came and taught, lived, and all of that stuff— I see that Jesus is a whole lot more concerned about the person you are becoming than what job you have. He's a lot more interested. Are you becoming more loving than he is should you move to Charlotte and take this job? I see that Scripture is a lot more concerned, that God is a lot more concerned with the who than the do. He's a lot more concerned with who you're becoming than he is with what you're doing. So, is that our priority list? Because I know in our culture, in our time, a lot of what we do in this country is based on well, what have you done, that makes who you are. What you've done gives you your identity. What you've done, what you've accomplished, the, the degrees you have, the accomplishments you've had at your job, all of these things make up who you are. Now, in God's kingdom, it, that turns upside down. What you do, ultimately, to God, I don't think matters if you aren't who he wants you to be. You could could have a doctorate degree in everything, but if you are a straight, hateful person, God is more concerned about your hatefulness than he is about your degree. He's a lot more concerned about the person you are becoming more than the accomplishments that you are doing. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus comes on this scene here. He's a powerful teacher and, and preacher, and John baptizes him, and right as he gets baptized. He goes into the desert to be tempted. And then Jesus comes on and he starts teaching. And one of his first teachings was the B attitudes, where Jesus basically says, hey, look, if you're going to thrive in the kingdom of God, these are some qualities that you're going to have to deem as important, right? Because, you know, there is a culture outside that kind of has a way, a system of doing things. And what Jesus did, Jesus came and said, look, there is a way the culture does things. There is a way you have to be tit for tat. Um, you know, what you do ultimately determines who you are. But Jesus came and Jesus said, look, I'm going to show you a new way to live, a different way to live in God's kingdom. And Jesus came and basically he said, starting off, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for, they will, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are CEOs. Oh, no, hold on, it doesn't say that. Blessed are the plumbers. Blessed are those who move to California and go to Hollywood. Blessed are the, no, it doesn't say that, does it? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Is that it? That's it. All right, I guess I thought they were gonna go on. I, I guess that's it. You can see here, Jesus never says, blessed are those who have a doctorate. Blessed are those who have accomplished all of this stuff. He says, blessed are those who have who have developed in them character traits and character qualities that focus on who they are, not just what they do. And I think if we're going to make sure we're heading in the divine direction that God is calling us to, first and foremost, we have to ask, what is important to God, not what is important to me? Because what is important to us is many times in conflict with what God deems as important. And let me tell you this, God is so much more concerned about the person you are becoming and the kind of character traits and qualities that you are developing in you more than he is about your accomplishments. I know that can be hard for us because our culture is the total opposite. It's do, 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 do. And then once you do enough do, then you can become a who. But Jesus says, I'm going to turn that upside down because you can have a doctorate degree, you can have money in, in your straight bank account, but you can be empty inside of your soul. You can be empty inside of your heart. You can, you know, and that's why he blasted the Pharisees because these guys on the outside, they had all the dew do down. He said, Y'all tithe from your spice rack. Like you tithe off of everything you have, but you are people of injustice. You use your, your, Position and status to heart it over people, lord it over them, and take advantage of them. Yeah, you might look like you've got all the do right, but your who is all jacked up. He said, you are like whitewashed tombs, lively on the outside, dead on the inside. And if we're not careful, the church can become the Pharisees. Hello, welcome to Life Like, we can strive to be so good on the outside. To others, like we, we want appearances so important to us that we miss the fact of what, what is Jesus actually doing in your heart to make you be more loving, more generous, more caring, more, more meek, more of a peacemaker, more of someone that hungers and thirsts for God. What is going on inside of your heart? Is that important to you? The same passion that you're saying, God, show me if I should move here. Or you, do you have that same passion Whenever you pray, God, give me a heart like yours. And if we don't, then your priorities and what matters to God are misaligned. The divine direction that God ultimately wants you to go in first is to be more like him. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how good of your dues are. If who you are becoming is not becoming more like him, then you need to re-examine and ask, does it actually matter is what i find important more important to him you know really this is kind of two ways of seeing the gospel right we believe this man that that the gospel of jesus christ is the foundation of all that we do the two different ways our culture says do and then you'll become who right that right there straight religion religion tells us this if you do enough good things then god will accept you right people try to earn it all the all the time They know there's something wrong. They know there's this broken relationship between them and God. So what do they do? They try to do enough good works. They try to do enough good acts. They try to be a good enough person. So they spend their whole life trying to strive to be a good person so God will, what? Accept them. When the heart of the gospel is this, all of us are terrible. All of us are messed up. All of us have sin. None of us can earn anything from God. None of us, like even scripture says, all of our good works are like dirty rags, So what? What do we do? Give up hope? No. There was a guy named Jesus, like we just talked about. He came and lived a life you couldn't live, died the death. You should have died in your place and for your sin. And what did he do? He rose from, from death and defeated Satan's sin and death. And because Jesus won the battle over sin, what we have to do then, Scripture tells us this, by grace through faith, accept what Jesus, the good work that Jesus did for us on the cross. And what that does, his good works are then applied to us and all we have to do is put our faith and trust in what jesus did and now we don't have to spend our whole life trying to do good works to try to earn something from god we simply do good works because we've already been accepted by god because of jesus does that make sense there's two different ways of seeing the gospel here i've seen so many christians trying to earn something they've already been given we don't live for the approval of god we live from it In other words, it's God loves you, and there's nothing you could do to actually earn it. You just receive it. And because of his love and grace towards you, what does that ultimately do? It makes you then say, God, in light of your grace, in light of your love towards me, I'm going to give you my life, not to earn anything, but because of what you gave for me, I want to give it back to you. And really what we see here, if we have have this mentality of, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, do's, make me a who, you have a backward idea of what the gospel actually is. The gospel is is this. We put our faith and trust in Jesus' do, and that's what makes us a who. We put our faith and trust in what Jesus did, and that is what makes us son and daughters of God. It's not our works, it's his work. So look, this whole teaching, divine direction, is ultimately the way you're going to see it is the way you view the gospel in my heart for you. Ultimately, for this church is for us to see the heart of the gospel, that we don't come to church to get something. We don't give money just to give something. We don't give time just to give something back. Everything we give, we give as a direct byproduct of what has been given to us by God. And that frees you then not to then use God, but to love God. Because some people serve God just to get something from them. God, if I give you time, you, you better give me health. God, if I give 10%, you better be like a stock market. Give me that 20% back. Press down, shaking together. You know, but no, when you stop saying, I'm gonna serve God just to get something from God, it frees you then to love God because of the love he's given you. I'm preaching good, y'all. I'm telling you, I, I want y'all to get the heart of the gospel here. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want y'all serving some half-hearted, bull, junk gospel that is basically like whenever God stops doing what you think he should do, you curse him. Because I've seen so many people serve God just to get something from him. And whenever God doesn't give them what they want, they stop serving him. Everything we do is a direct result of what God has already done for us. I'm hot. Wait a minute. All right, we're talking about God's God's will. So uh, in First Thessalonians, Paul kind of continues here with this whole thing of God's will. And Paul actually goes so far here as to actually use the term, hey, this is what God's will is. So, yo, when, whenever, like, the Bible is like, yo, this is what God's will is, my, I'm all ears, right? Like I'm like, all right, well, what you got for me, Paul? What you got for me, Paul? You going to help me know if I'm supposed to take this job or not? You going to help me know if I'm supposed to make this salary or not? This is what he says. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Hold up. Sanctified, first off, what is, the heck does that even mean? What does sanctified even mean? It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Let me tell you what sanctified means. It means holy. It means set apart. It means that you are on this process like we all are to be more like Jesus Christ. So do you know what God's will, like his clearly revealed will is in in scripture? What we see from from, from the beginning even to this verse here, what we see is his will is for you to be in construction, in process, to be more like God, more like Jesus. He even gives specifics here. He says this: You should be sanctified, you should be holy, you you, you you should be set apart, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should. Uh, No one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. He says, look, guys, God's will is for you to be more like him. Why? Why? Because the more you become like God, the more you become generous, the more you become loving, the more you become grace, grace, grace-filled, grace, the more you become a whole and complete person, the more you love yourself. Like some of y'all in this place like don't like y'all selves at all. Like you hate yourself. And you think, you know, cultural beauty, just love yourself, just self-image. Be the, there's a snowflake. You're a snowflake. There's good inside of you somewhere. You just got to get it out. Get those negative people out of your life. They're holding you back. No, do you know what you need? Like, you need to repent of your sin and turn to to Jesus. And in light of what he did on the cross for you, find your worth in the fact that Jesus thought you were worth dying for. And whenever you do that, go closer to him and work on this sanctification process. Some of you are asking the complete wrong questions, and you're wondering why God isn't answering you. Why isn't God clear? about his will. Why is it God giving me clarity on what I should do? I think God is almost like, if you won't even obey the clearly defined, revealed will of me, why would I want to show you any other thing if you can't even obey what you've already, what's already clear? You know what I'm saying? It's like, why would I tell my, why would I give my kid more if he can't even handle what he's got? You know, and I think what Jesus is saying, or, or what scripture Jesus is like, hey, you focus on the, if you focus on the who, God will take, no, yeah, yeah, if you focus, if, if you focus on the who, God will take care of the what? Whatever, yeah, whatever it says up, up there. <laughs> Look, I know you want to know God's will clear. I know you want to know if this is the right person, that's the right person, this the right job, that's the right job, and all of this stuff. But ultimately, none of that matters if you aren't drawing closer to Jesus. Ultimately. Your will, God's clearly defined will, is for you to grow in a relationship with Him and to be more holy and to be sanctified. Paul, you know, if if anyone had like this like role of of being the doer, of, of being the one that like had an insane amount of credentials, if anyone could stand at at heaven's gate. I'd hold up a list of everything he's done, it would, you know, and I'd be like, based upon what you've done, you, you can actually get in. If anyone had the do stuff, it was Paul. We see in Philippians 3, he lays out his kind of job, uh, what, do, what do you call that, um, resume, resume. He lays out his resume of, of kind of all of this stuff that he's done, and we're going to actually check it out really, really quick. He says this, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law of faultless. But whatever were gains to me, and I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. So let me tell you this. Paul breaks down. He says, look, I've got the the good bloodline. Israeli bloodline, tribe of... of Benjamin, that is kind of like saying you have, like, rich blood. Like, you come from a good family. Like, you have the bloodline. He's got the teaching. He's got the background, the education. Uh, You know, it says he had so much passion and zeal, he killed Christians. Like, if anyone had a bunch of do, it was Paul. But Paul, he met Jesus. And do you know that cultural slogan that we actually use, knocked off your high horse? Do you know what that actually came from? was Paul. Because Paul one day he was actually riding Acts chapter nine. Says he was going, Jesus appeared to him, knocked him off of his high horse, blinded him, said Peter, or he said, Paul, why do you keep on persecuting me? He had an encounter with Jesus. And when he had that encounter with, with, with Jesus Christ, it radically changed. Everything about him, it radically changed his priorities of what he thought was so Im- important, what he thought God's God's will was. So much so, he wrote this. He said, yeah, I know all of this stuff that I've done is so important. Im- He says, What is more? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul had this whole list of different but he said, when I met Jesus, the dues became a lot less important compared to the who Jesus is making me into and who I want to know. There was a shift when Paul met Jesus of what was important to him. Those credentials now in light of who Jesus was and what Jesus did, Paul literally compared it. This, this scriptural translation says garbage. Let me tell you what that word, that's actually a very generous trans, translation there. That word could actually be translated as poop. It is the Greek word skubala, which in... Greek writings was used as a term as for excrement, and there's really a debate among scholars of of that word actually somewhat translating to kind of be a Greek cuss word. Like it happens. Add a few more letters onto that, it, and it could it kind of almost. Some scholars debate it. Some scholars no. Some scholars yes. But I, I think the word that was strong enough to say Paul wanted to make a point here about what he thought his accomplishments, what his do list was compared to his who list. And his do list did not compare with his who list. Do we treasure Christ? And I, you know, do we treasure Christ? And I think we can only treasure Christ when we see the depths of our sin and the goodness of God's grace. We try to find all these different ways, you know, to try to get our spiritual lives rolling and try to get more on track with Jesus Christ. And really what we're looking for is spiritual monsters. And what I mean by that, energy drinks, like spiritual monsters, like what you about. No, a spiritual monster. like we kind of want these like caffeinated spiritual drinks. Oh, let me find something that'll amp me up. Do you know what will really amp, amp, amp you up? Stop drinking the energy drinks and stop eating McDonald's all the time, right? It's like drink water, get energy, get the right energy, get the right sources. And that's what I think. If we want to get pepped up, motivated to follow and serve Christ, it's not going to be by learning. It's going to be by by, by building our lives and building ourselves on the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we were sinners, but Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That you know what? Everything we have is a gift from God. You know what that should do? That should motivate us. We shouldn't be looking for different caffeine teachings to try to pump us up. The very fact that we were dead in our sin, Jesus came and forgave us of our sin, should motivate us enough to want to go towards him. And I believe many of us don't see the same, tr- the, the same transition that Paul had, kind of the same encounter be- because, I mean, Paul, this dude was better than all of us, man, but he called himself the chief of sinners, like he had an understanding of the depth of his sin and what it did, how it broke relationship, but he also had a depth of the understanding of God's grace. I believe what we ultimately need is a new revelation of our sin so we can see a greater revelation of God's goodness and grace and love towards us. And that will be the, that will be the thing that will draw us more in the divine direction of knowing God more, not striving to accomplish and accomplish and accomplish our wish list of what we deem as important. I hope that makes sense. You know, but honestly, you know, you can say, John, what, a, what about these questions? And, you know, it's like, look, I, I totally get there are questions out there that you have, genuine questions. Should I marry this person? Should I take this job? Should I start this business? Should I, uh... so many questions, right? I mean, all of us here, if we polled and asked, and there would be a lot of different, A lot of different questions. Should you do this? Should you do that? Is this God's will? Is that God's will? And look, you know, I I, I can just straight up be honest with you. Like, I can tell you I preach God's word because if I don't, I would be a miserable human being. Like, I know without a shadow of a doubt, this is what God has called me to do. I get paid for this. Yes, I I thank God for it. But even if I wasn't paid, I would do this. Why? Because here's the bottom line. I've got to do it. I feel called to it more than I feel called to anything. So I get the fact of there's going to be things that you're just going to feel a calling towards that, you know, you're going be like, John, I kind of feel this kind of like drawing towards and, and I just don't know if it's God's will, if it isn't God's will. Should I do it? Shouldn't I? Shouldn't I do it? But if you kind of got that whole thing, man, like I know this is what God's called me to do it. If you're not sure, you know, and you're like, is this what God wants? Is this not what God wants? Is this person the right person for me? Is this, like all of these questions that we, that, that we have and, and um, I, I want to answer that answer that for you, and it's it, it might not be a specific answer that you want, but at the same time, I, I think it's it's really almost, what in some ways, what God would say. Second, you know, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, you know, G, you know Paul, he was, you know, writing here, and he was talking about all, the, all of these different things, and then he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, that Greek word, whatever there, is actually translated into the English language as whatever. I thought that was funnier. It was funnier in the first service, but second service crowd's tough. Whatever. So the questions that you have, I know they're valid. Um, but I can almost see, God, if you've got options, and you're not sure. And you're like, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? Show me a sign. Write it in the clouds. Move to Charlotte. Write it in the clouds. Dump this loser. Like, God, just make it clear for me. And I think I you know, God is being like, whatever. Get counsel. Get wisdom. Get, 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 you know, do your due diligence. Do your research. Work hard. Do, do what you can do. And if, there's, if one choice isn't sin and the other one's sin, like if you're thinking, God, I really want to beat this guy up because he annoys the heck out of me, should I punch him in the face or shouldn't I? <laughs> Don't punch him in the face, okay? It's like, well, I feel God lead me to punch him in the face. No, that's anger. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's your anger pushing you. That's not God pushing, pushing you, right? But if, if you've got options and you're really not sure and the options aren't sin, I can almost hear God saying, I'm more concerned about who you are becoming more than what decision you make, more than what job you have, more than how much money you make. I care about who you are becoming. Why? Because if we take care of who we are becoming, I believe God will take care of the what. I sincerely believe that. Paul, I believe, is saying here, whatever you do, whatever. Whatever. Do it all for God's glory. Let that be your heart. Let that be your motivation. But you know, I'm like, say, like, John, that's all good and stuff like that. You know, and, and here's the bottom line. Like, we all have plan Bs, right? And, and you know, we, we've got a plan and, you know, we can sometimes think, what if I make the wrong decision? I have seen Christians crippled, crippled by they don't want to make the wrong decision so they don't make any decision. And that's not right, people. If you don't know what to do, if you're absolutely crippled, let me tell you this. God God is not shocked by your decisions. I want to let you know that. He isn't shocked. He isn't up in heaven like, I pray he makes the right decision. Please, God. Well, wait, hold up. I just called called myself. (laughs) It's like, no, it's like, hey, look, just make a decision and if you feel like you made the wrong decision there's something called Romans 828 and i and i believe this should honestly make us all like calm down about a lot Romans 828 tells us this and we know that in all things everyone say all God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Let me tell you what this is, is saying. No matter what decisions you have made or you will make, if you have faith, you will, you, God will take your dumb decisions and make them and work them for your good if you'll let him all, some of you are regretting so much. I wish I would have gone to college. I wish I had not dated this person. I wish I I I wouldn't have had kids. I wish I wouldn't have made this dumb financial choice. I wish I wouldn't have gone to the military. I wish I wouldn't have all this stuff. And you are so busy regretting that you're not letting it go and letting God work it and use it for your good and for His glory. So look, I know... decisions can be complicated you want a clearance but many times God doesn't work in complete clarity with telling you what you should do in many situations I'll just be straight up honest with you why I think because ultimately he cares about who you're becoming like I said more than what you're doing but at the same time even if you feel like you made a dumb decision you've got to have enough faith to say I believe God even though I made a dumb dumb decision he's going to take this and make it work for my good and for his glory why because Romans eight twenty nine says to be conformed to the image of his son. You know what Jesus says? God's ultimate will is for you is to conform to the image of Jesus. Not to have you become rich. Not to, be, not to have you own a big house. Not to have you have the best job. Not to have you have the best car. Not to have you have a lavish lifestyle. His main goal for you is to conform you to the image of Jesus. And that's more about the who than the do even Jesus himself I find it interesting before Jesus ever did ministry check this out before Jesus ever did ministry he was baptized and his father said this is my son with whom I am well pleased he was accepted before he did anything Jesus or God God the father said this is my son with whom I am well pleased and Jesus hadn't even done nothing why because it was based on hey he's my son I I love him So you know I don't know where you find yourself at Today confused Questions I know there's a lot of that's unclear But let me tell you what is clear Your purpose your divine direction for your life Is more about who than the do And if you would put more Passion and energy Into who God's calling you to be And who he wants you to be I believe if you take care of that The what will take care of itself Do you believe that I believe that. Why? Because we see it clearly in scripture. He wants to know you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this word today, God, that probably challenges many of us, that confronts our wrong priorities. And God, our prayer today is that we would start to see you for who you are, clear what your will is, God, that you want to know us. Not just you want us to be successful and, and do all of all of these things, God, but you want us to know you ultimately. So God, I just pray for each person here. Let them line their priorities up with you. Just really, really quick, with every head bowed, every eye closed. In the first service, we had multiple people make a decision to accept Christ and and to kind of say, Do you know you know what? I want to start this journey of knowing and becoming more like Jesus. And it really does begin with just saying yes to him, of just starting Having a beginning point of saying, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus and follow him. I might not know where that might actually lead or where that might actually go, but I wanna start this process, not of just more do, but starting with the who, starting with who I am. And that's what Jesus ultimately came to change. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, John, I wanna start that journey today. I wanna say yes to Jesus and start this journey of following Christ. Or possibly you said, John, I started a while ago, and I've fallen off, and today I want to get back on track. I want to get back on track. If that is you today, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to know who you are so I can actually pray for you. And then we're going to have the the whole church join in prayer with you. And we're going to celebrate, and we're going to be excited because we believe this moment matters. And we would love to see many of you here that haven't made a decision for Jesus do so today. So just with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, John, I want to make a decision to say yes to Jesus today and start a relationship with him. I'm going to count you three. And whenever I do that, if if you simply would, just take right, left hand, whatever, raise it up. I want to know who you are so I can actually pray for you. If you say, if you say John, that is me. I'm going to count to three. Put, put your hand up. Ready? One, two, three. Anyone here? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Can we stand up, LifeHouse family? Can we stand up? We're gonna pray with those that raised their hand to receive Christ today. If you would, everyone here, join in with me as we pray. Everybody pray this after, after me. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place and for my sin. I give you my life today. The good, the good, the bad, the ugly, but I thank you that you give me new life because of you. I surrender to you. Help me on this journey to focus more on the who than the do. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Amen. Life House family, can we just give it up for all those today? Let's say that prayer today for the first time. Listen. If you did say that prayer or you absolutely didn't, the bottom line is this, welcome to the family.